This is your host, Jared Taylor, Devin McDonald. How's it going, guys? Do some quick little cleanup. Got kind of got our hands slapped with episode one. Not giving responsible betting. Make sure that you're doing this responsibly. With all that we ask. Smart picks. Don't bet. Don't bet what you can't afford to lose. If you need help, seek help. We're not offering any guarantees. We're not offering any locks. Perfect picks. There's some bets we feel strongly about. There's some bets we may be on the edge of. But at the end of the day, we're only human. Some bets don't cash. That's how I feel, Devin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you see anything online about a play of the day and play of the years and locks, you, you can ignore that. Not saying that bet won't hit, but if somebody's telling you there's a guarantee in sports betting, they're lying to you. And uh, it won't take you long to figure that out. We'll talk about the PGA Championship. Today's date is Friday, May 21st, so PGA is ongoing. Yeah, round two should have just wrapped up, if I'm not mistaken. Hopefully by the time we get this edited and out, it'll be, or the PGA will be over with. You can critique us on, on what our bets are. But it's the major thing happening this weekend. Devin, you got some pretty interesting bets. Yeah, um, so first of all, for outright winners, um, I had really two two guys I was really locked in on. First, being defending champion uh, Colin Morikawa um, at thirty one to one odds. To me, you get a guy who hits the ball as straight as he does, and is I think, if I'm not mistaken, the best player in the world from the one seventy to two hundred yard range going into the green. We're, we're talking about a seventy eight hundred yard golf course this week. Um, super long. He's not the longest off the tee, but he's probably the best iron player in the world. And when you can give me that at thirty one to one odds. Uh, couldn't pass that up. Um, the other guy I was looking at is Victor Hovland. Really the same reason. Not as good of odds, 22-1. to 1. Um, He's putting a little bit better right now than uh, Morikawa is, but also just for the same reasons. Uh, one of the best ball strikers on tour, and, and that's really what I look at when going into trying to pick an outright winner in golf. What, what, are, your, what are your strategies normally going into golf? So my strategies are find the sweet spot, mid to late 20s to – mid 50 to one range. Yeah. Break down how these guys play. You know, hey, better iron course? Is it a long drive course? Are the greens fast? A lot of water? Is this guy a risk taker? You know, I used to love watching Phil, but I I always hated betting on him because he, he'd never lay up. He always tried to leg out the extra 10, 15 yards over a hazard. And it cost him. It was fun to watch. Yep. But when money was on the line, his style of play is not something that I found beneficial. So as I look through things, um, I like to find the sweet spot. And the reason why I like those odds are it's fun pulling for those guys. Sure. The Masters this year with Xander coming in. I mean, I was excited Sunday all day, even though he couldn't finish it off. Like, it, it was exciting knowing that, man, this guy was in the sweet spot, and he was working it, working it, working it. He was right there at it. Yeah, and guys, when we say the sweet spot, we mean trying to find that value that's going to give you a good return on your bet um, when it comes to picking a winner. Picking a winner outright in golf is very difficult. So, you know, you got favorites like Roy McIlroy. I think this week was 10-1. to 1. Just not enough return for the odds of him actually winning the tournament. And look at right now, I think he 
after round two, he's five shots off the lead. Not bad for this course, but you could find a lot better value out there. And like that's, I think that's what you're talking about when you say the sweet spot. I mean, if you're wanting to bet Rory, and you're wanting, I mean, you had a bet uh, speed to beat Thomas in round one at plus one twelve. Yeah. Charlie Hoffman top ten plus seven fifty. These are better ways to maximize. You take it cash and like, hey, I can get more money if he places in the top ten because it's a better opportunity. I don't know if he's actually going to win it. Yeah. Now, if he wins it, you may be sick and say, man, I should have had this. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's going to happen sometimes, but more likely than not, the mistake people make is going to look at the books and they're going to see Charlie Hoffman at plus, I don't know what he was before the week, but I'm, a, I'm assuming 500 to 1 odds or something like that. And people are going to look at that like, oh my God, he's a great player. I'm going to throw money on that. More likely you're going to lose that money. There's so, only one winner. There's only one winner in golf in a field of, I want to say, over 120, 120 players. So, With that, I mean, golf's a fun game to bet. It mm-hmm. is a frustrating game to play frustrating game to bet also because if you're just betting one guy to win you don't give yourself multiple outs you don't that guy can have a bad a bad week and it's that's it your bet's done no you know keep saying responsible betting maximizing your bets finding the value that hey here's a round one bet i think that can happen or yeah uh and piggybacking off what you were just saying finding that round one value like uh you mentioned the bet that I had in this week. I had uh, Jordan Spieth to uh, beat Justin Thomas in a round one head-to-head. Now, what that means, these guys aren't necessarily play- – they weren't even playing in the same group, but what these uh, sites will do is they'll take two golfers and they'll put them in a match and they'll put the odds on it of who's going to have the better round. And really, the way I do this, I don't know about you, is I, I just watch the pre- pre-round coverage Monday through Wednesday of what's going on, what the course conditions are like, what type of golf course it is, the length. What, what the players need to be really good at that week to excel. Justin Thomas, I think, was one of the five favorites to win this golf tournament, if I'm not mistaken. But if you watched him on Wednesday at the range, the guy didn't have his golf swing. He was trying to change his ball flight completely, and that, that's not a good sign going into a major championship. So what I did, I looked at that. I was like, not, not somebody that I feel really confident in going into Thursday. Let me find what, what his matchup is. And it happened to be against Jordan Spieth, who's one of the best artists around the greens, and that's really what you need on this golf course. Plus, I was getting plus odds. And that, that's where you find value right there. And it actually did hit. It hit yesterday. I believe he finished, um, I think, three shots ahead of him, if I'm mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, finding value, betting, being responsible whenever you're betting on this. Look, I, I got a ticket on Tyrell Hatton. Yeah. Plays really, really well in, in the win. And they're playing. The win hasn't been as much of a factor, but he's still been playing pretty good. It, it was today, actually. They, at first, they were saying that the win may not have been – a big issue this week with that that's the thing about weather guys is it just kind of pops up today's afternoon round was an absolute grind for these guys and um, that's why you see Phil Mickelson in the lead of the uh, the top of the leaderboard at minus five right now he played this morning he got out there before the win and those guys just couldn't catch him I was actually just looking up to where uh, Hatton was for you at the end of round two he's two over he was actually three over today so that's that was one of them consequences of playing this afternoon so, so I mean look at the weather I mean, the weather affects everything from football over-unders mm-hmm. to baseball over-unders. Golf doesn't really affect basketball, so don't, don't have to worry about what the weather is for the Memphis game tonight. Uh, just real quick, I wanted to ask you, because uh, this is something that um, I haven't really done a lot. What, what do you think about, especially with uh, golf, um, looking at like getting in on players after two rounds or after three rounds going into the final round? Obviously, your value isn't going to be 
as high as it was, but you know, it's it's narrowed down to that point of who actually has a chance of winning. I would do it if I'm holding a ticket of the guy in the lead. Okay. Just and to kind of hedge your bets? To hedge my bets. Okay. Yeah, I know you're not getting the best value, but you're kind of increasing your odds of cashing a ticket and bringing positive money home. Yeah. I think it's something interesting to look at if you if you have somebody like a Brooks Kepka or a Roy McElroy who's been there before and is is pretty close to the lead. Let's say they start that Sunday round two or three shots back and somebody who's never won a major championship at the top of the leaderboard. I think that's somewhere you could take advantage on these sites because they still you still may be able to get plus odds at them guys coming back because you know obviously Sunday Sunday rounds in a major are tough. So. There's a lot of pressure. You're on. You have a lot more viewers at home watching. Matter of fact, I want to say it was the Sunday round where Tiger got penalized for a stroke penalty for because somebody called it in. Yeah, I, I recall the. Uh, I remember what you're talking about. I just don't remember exactly when that was. They had to put out a disclaimer before this round. If you've seen this course, that they're calling all the sand. They're not bunkers this week. They're called sandy areas. So a player can actually ground their club and take practice swings in the sand when normally at a normal course, anything categorized as a bunker, you can't ground your club in there. It's a, it's a, it's a stroke penalty. Not the case this week. So they uh, they, they put out a, a, a note before the tournament saying, people please don't call in because we're, we're aware of this. So, But that's what you have with golf. I mean, no other sport do you have where the fans are calling in and saying, hey, Roger Goodell, this was a penalty at the 1354 mark and in quarter two of the Patriots game, you right? Know, go back and enforce this fifteen goal, right? So yeah, we'll touch on golf throughout the uh, throughout the year on this podcast. Honestly, the best place to make money on golf is not major tournaments. They're the most fun to watch, but these other smaller tournaments, in my opinion, are where you without, where you make your money without a doubt. Your, yeah. your lines are more more true, right? You don't have as much public money betting to influence the line. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to conclude us for golf. Stay tuned for. We're going to come back and start on Major League Baseball. Devin, I don't know how you feel, but Major League Baseball to me is a grinding sport. It's daily betting. It's up today, down tomorrow. It's exciting to watch. Crushes you on bad beats. It's so much emotion betting baseball, and I love it. It's addictive. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Is um, I'm not the biggest baseball better, and I think that's really one of the main reasons. It's something you're having to look at every single day. You're having to keep up right up till first pitch about what's going on. I think that's one thing we kind of want to point out here, guys. This is not going to be a podcast as far as baseball goes, or where you're coming to listen to, to where we're giving you picks every single night. Um, It's really just one of those things that's too hard to keep up with. What Jared's really good at, though, is identifying strategies for you guys to take and use when you're placing bets on baseball. So if you want to go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, guys. So going back to what Devin just said, there's too many things that change the outcome of baseball. Pitchers get scratched. So with that, I want you to make sure whenever you're placing your bet, you're betting pitcher, not action. And what could happen there is is teammate could have their ace scheduled to pitch and all of a sudden, he got some elbow soreness, or they scratch him, and they just throw Johnny bullpen pitcher in. You don't have the, the pitcher listed. You're going into this bet with usually negative money, and you didn't beat the closing line. So because now the lines failed, you got a bad a bad ticket. Baseball is very very tough, and there are some systems that I'm finding have been successful. Uh, we're at 43, 46 games so far in the season, so the sample size is starting to be pretty good. 
One of the things is it's 10 cents steam on, on a home dog that's been cashing in at 54%. So if you can if you can watch the lines and not watch them all day, but go to DraftKings has it. Um, you can see line movements on the casino web pages, those sports books. And if you see where there's a, a 10 cent move, not due to injury, but because of steam, where peak the it's being pounded better, 54%. Non-divisional 10 cent steam on the home team after a loss has been 58%. Cash in 58% of your tickets, that's positive money. This one's a little chalky, but favorites that are minus 175 or more, cash in at 73%. That's a lot of money to lay down. Now, I'm not telling you to go lay 1.75 units down because that's a lot of money to risk. What I do is I just lay my one unit down and I, I come in 30% profit something of that nature there's road dogs and divisions is another system reverse line moves line freezes although the line freeze and the reverse line move are very similar systems that's where you see that a majority of the bets are coming in on a team but the line stays the same or moves the other way that means that the books are expecting big money to come in on the other way they don't want to give too much of an edge so smart money usually that's what the books are scared of. They're not scared of my bet, Devin. They're not scared of your bet. Yeah. But the guys that are constantly just taking them to the house that can identify edges, and not every night cash a ticket, but they're coming in 52, 54, 56%. The sports books respect those guys, no matter how much money they put down, because they have a system that's working. They've identified something. So that's where the reverse line move and the line freeze come into some value. Now, the road dog in division... What I like about this one is, man, in baseball, you play your division team so much. It don't matter if you're home or away, but you play. The Yankees play the Red Sox so many times in the season. They know each other like the back of their hand. It doesn't matter. What the public bets is home team. So if you get a road dog in a division, you're going to find an inflated value. So that's where that one's good. This is one I'm not real good with. It's one that I don't, I don't like. But it's cashing tickets, man. It's making money. And Devin, maybe you can kind of go with this. But since 2018, the Houston Astros against left-handed pitchers are 64% cashing tickets. That's a system that is built based on how a team plays, how they build their lineup. But they're cashing. And you have a three-year sample size or two-and-a-half-year yeah. sample size. Yeah, and that's crazy. And not trying to dumb it down. I mean, because if, if you're like me and are a little confused here, um, basically what he's saying is, 65% of the time that you bet the Astros against a left-handed starting pitcher, they're, they're, they're winning you that bet. That's huge in baseball because what did we talk about last week? Uh, what do you have to be at of baseball to make money? And any bet with 110 juice, you need to be at 52.5%. Okay. If you're betting baseball and you're betting strictly unders, I mean, uh, strictly underdogs, it could be 45 to 50%, depending on how gross of an underdog you're betting. Yeah. And I'm sure the Astros are underdogs in some of those left-handed matchups, depending on who they're facing. So, I mean, that's great money. Yeah, um, I, I hadn't heard that till today, but that's an interesting uh, interesting uh, line that people are playing. Um, Astros, a lot of big right-handed bats in that lineup, so it does make sense when you told me why it's like that. But uh, Now, it's not just them, though, but both Chicago teams are really, really good against lefties for this year. Yeah. So, again, that's, sample, that's a smaller sample size. But it's things that are identified. Um, sure. And guys with baseball, I don't sit there and say, okay, well, this team 
is has, matches one of my systems. I'm going to bed. I, I do look at it and I'm analytical and it matches four or five systems and I feel confident with it. I like betting underdogs a lot more than I do favorites. I will bet a favorite. I mean, the Padres have been an awesome team to bet so far this year. Yeah. But I don't get as much excitement of betting the favorite. I get a lot of excitement betting the underdog, betting the unders and totals, which have been killing me this year because for some reason baseball, except for Sunday night baseball, every, everything's trending towards the overs. Sunday night baseball, the unders have been hit. So if you're betting baseball, or if you're just getting into betting baseball, start picking out systems, start watching line moves, start paying attention to things, keep track, keep notes of every bet and why you made that bet. And then after a month or two, just go back and look at your bets and say, okay, every time I thought this, I lost big time. So am I reading the tea leaves wrong? And if you're working a system and you're making smart money, you're getting, you're beating the closing line, you're getting really good value, you're going to cash tickets. Yeah. And uh, once we get some listeners, if it's something uh, you guys want, um, we could always do a bonus pod, like kind of deep diving into the uh, the vocabulary and the terms you were just using there going over all your systems. And, you know, because if, if, if somebody like me who doesn't bet baseball is listening to that, it, it can be a little confusing, like what Jared's talking about. So, you know, that may be something we uh, dive into at a later date. Um, it won't be the most interesting podcast out there, but it is very... Uh, we'll leave that one for producer Tim. Man, yeah. He likes to be a teacher. <laughs> he may go off on the history of Shreveport in the middle of it, but... Yeah, what do you uh, what do you think about that, Tim? Oh. That's right. Producer Tim couldn't be with Tim's us not here. Shocker. So, that's going to kind of wrap up baseball. I'm sorry. We, we don't have a lot to talk about. Um, it's a long grind, and what we talk about today could change by the next episode. Right. Devin had to play in games. The, the last one concludes tonight with Golden State versus Memphis. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Um, at, my, at first, I was leaning Golden State. Um, I thought they pushed the Lakers uh, pretty hard the other night, and Steph played played really well, as he's been doing for the last few months. Um, but then I believe you told me the line's all the way up to uh, Memphis plus five. Plus five. I got Memphis eating five. Yeah. Um, that's, probably, uh, that's probably the route I would go also. But again, public play. Sure. Golden State's probably the better team, more star power. <sighs> Maybe. They, they got the best player, for sure, but... They're in a bigger market. Yeah. It, it just... I think the value's point in Memphis, no question. Now it is, yes. I think... The, yes, in, in a straight-up contest, if you're betting money line, I'm betting Golden State at home. What if you had got them at three and a half with the line open? Three and a half. It's closer, for sure. I still probably like Golden State. I'd like it better at three. <laughs> I understand. And, hey, if you were betting Memphis, you'd like it better at four. So, Sure. That's just all about perspective. Um, so as we're getting into the playoffs, here's some things. The Knicks are playing the Hawks. It's gonna be, you know, we talked about this before. This is going to be a fun series to watch. I don't know if you're aware. The Knicks give the most open three-point shots in the NBA. Or in the playoff field, for sure. Yeah. And then... Their opponents miss these shots. Like, they have a higher miss rating. Both of those are outliers to what the NBA is. Now, we both agree that Atlanta's fun to watch. They're not – they're a piece maybe two away from – Yeah, neither one of these teams are winning the title this year is what we're saying. But you can still make money on this series. You could. So, do you think the Knicks regress on this series, or do you think it's the – you can't keep being being lucky. 
Right. No, that's true. The way I would play it is I would bet for them to regress in this series, and I would keep betting that way until it happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So in this bet, I really would take Atlanta. Atlanta's okay. a smaller market. Yeah. The Knicks have this big, massive brand. Hey, they're back, baby. That's all you hear on ESPN right now. Yeah, Madison Square Garden sold out the first two games. And it should be. I mean, if sure. I was in New York, I would go to this series just right. because it's going to be a fun series to watch. I think the public's going to hammer the Knicks. So barring an injury, a significant injury, I think your value will be with the Hawks on this one. Okay. So what's your prediction? You think the you think the Hawks actually? T- I'm talking about just straight up series. I think that one's going to be tough. If I can get the Hawks at, at a, as an underdog, getting points, yeah, all seven games, I'm taking. Okay. That's where I feel with it. I think the Knicks they have to start regressing. What I would really like is they make it. They got to face Miami. To me, that would be that'd be awesome. I know that kind of leads into the next. Yeah, I was thing. gonna say. I think you just offered a spoiler. What's your uh... Next play is, why don't you go ahead and into that? Milwaukee versus Miami. Yeah. Same team that beat Milwaukee last year, correct? Yeah. But has Milwaukee improved besides Giannis? Uh, do, do I think they're a better team? Do I think they have better pieces than last year? Yeah, I do. But is that is that enough? Since know. the All-Star break, Miami's been the best team in the NBA. Okay. The hottest team. Milwaukee's been going in the opposite direction. They've been kind of stagnant. Part of that is... They feel like, hey, we're in Milwaukee. We're going to make it to the playoffs. We don't have to go maximum effort. I, I, I would say part of that is complacency. Yeah. Now, my counter to that would be, wouldn't you say last year one of Miami's big things were – I don't think teams took them lightly, but I don't think they were on everybody's radar going into the playoffs. As a team that can legitimately make the finals, which they did, but Milwaukee's not going to be shocked by Miami this year. Like, no, but I think being in the bubble, people are just kind of like, oh, people were quick that under – and underperform, we're mm-hmm. quick to say, like, oh, we were in the bubble, we were away from yeah. home. Well, I mean, you underperformed, you underperformed. That, that is what it is. So that's another – but I could turn that into make it a point of my own. If Milwaukee underperformed last year, they weren't expecting Miami to push them as much as they did and, and eventually beat them. Miami's not surprising anybody this year. Uh, they know what Miami is. I'm just playing devil ca- devil's no, advocate to your I point mean, here. And listen, if, again, if I can get Miami at plus points yep. in any game this year – that's where I'm going. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm at the die by the sword eventually. I don't know if Miami's going to give me a, a championship, but if I can get plus points against Milwaukee, who I feel is trending in the opposite direction, I, I'm not 100% so Giannis wants to be there. It's good for the Pelicans if he doesn't want to be, that's for sure. I don't know how much effort he's, he's going to get. He's an awesome player. Yeah. And he's going to go out there and ball out. I'm not going to say that. He's not going to get a goose egg. But I think Jimmy Butler's finally in a place where he feels wanted. Sure. In a place that he feels he fits here. And it's a, it's a pretty good market. You know, he's in Miami. And I think he wants it. I mean, Miami was close. I think they want it. Yeah. That's, a, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, one I'm going to be watching. Um, I would still lean, and we talked about this on the last episode, I, I still like to lean towards the best player. And Jimmy Butler is a phenomenal basketball player. But – in a series where I don't think they have that surprise factor this year, Milwaukee's got the home court, which they didn't have last year. I, I would still take Milwaukee to win the series. Now, is there value in that? Again, I don't know. We'd have to look at it. But you're talking about the value in getting plus points with Miami, and definitely I understand that. So. We just hit the East, Eastern Conference? Yeah. On the Western side? hmm Okay, so the Lakers punched the ticket. Yes, they uh, 
ended up beating Golden State a couple nights ago. I mean, how do you feel about that? Man, I, I love it. I mean, I tell you, I, I can't lie, I got to feel a little bad for Phoenix, you know, like one of the best chances they got to win the title and I don't even know how many maybe since Charles Barkley was it no I mean they they were they had some decent teams with Steve Nash and Stoudemire there but to have to play the Lakers in round one now that, that that's unfortunate who I still think are the best when I say the best the most talented team as far as you have two the two best players in the conference and Anthony Davis and LeBron James still there so like uh, going into that that's what I'm looking at um, you have the Lakers traveling to Phoenix in game one the Lakers are actually underdogs in the series, and you give me two and a half points. They're underdogs in the game in the game one, not in the series. Not in the series, yes. In game one, they are two and a half point underdogs. But this is what we were talking about uh, last week in diving deeper into games like this to find better value. So, yeah, I could bet the Lakers at plus two and a half against Phoenix, and I think that pays off minus 105, if I'm not mistaken, if I was looking correctly. If you deep dive on these sites and you find other bets – there's a bet on there for LeBron James to hit a double-double and for the Lakers to win that gives you plus 255 odds. Wouldn't you agree that, that that's the better bet? Because, I mean, more, I mean, yes, you are risking a little bit more and the, the Lakers win and LeBron doesn't get a double-double, but to me, if they're going to go into Phoenix and win, LeBron's going to have to play well, and that pretty much means he's, yeah. he's going to get double digits in two of those categories. That's right. And I'm going back and trying to see the odd. Uh, I should have wrote it down. Mm-hmm. That Bleacher Report had said... But it was historic that the, this is the first time in the NBA where the seventh seed is favored for the series over the one seed. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think that goes back to what I was talking about. You're still talking about two of the best players in the league. Yeah. Should Phoenix be favored just out of respect? Maybe. They had a way better season, but I don't think the books care about respect. They care about not losing, not losing money, as we talked about before. So that actually makes me feel a little bit better about my pick. Oh, without a doubt. Now – Again, but there's value. So if you're going to bet Phoenix, yeah, you may not want to go game by game basis with Phoenix. There's going to be more value potentially betting the series. And if you're going to bet Lakers, maybe the value is in betting game by game. Okay, that, that's a good point. Let, let's talk about Phoenix. If if you're on the side of you know what, I just think Phoenix is the better team. They've Lakers had the better minus two fifty for the series. Minus two fifty for that's the series. What they open. So what is Phoenix? Is that is it plus one ninety? Plus one ninety. So that that's probably your better odds right there than going game by game with them, correct? Right. Because right now in game one they're favored, so you're not getting you're That's not right. getting those odds. But again, like I was just about to say, if you're on the side of Phoenix, you know what? I think they're the better team. I think with Chris Paul there, with Devin Booker, they're just going to win this series. Or I think they're going to win game one. They should be two and a half point favorites. You can get the same bet on DraftKings with Chris Paul, a double double and a win for Phoenix plus two fifty five. That that's the better odds for me. Yeah. If, you're, if, not if Phoenix, take, you're not taking on much more additional risk. You're really not, especially with the type of player Chris Paul is. Most likely, more likely than not, he's going to get to 10 points. The assist should be there for sure as yeah. well. So. The NBA is exciting. There's some really good teams. We've identified some series that we'd like, and we've been looking, and we've been talking about it, and we've been saying, like, hey, this is going to be something worth watching. And now it's fun because for the past two months, we've talked about Atlanta versus the Knicks and Miami versus Milwaukee. Like, if these series happen, what – how does it play out? You know, we talk Phoenix versus the Lakers. Right. So we have a month or two of, of just Devin and I, conversations after work, conversations just we're at each other's house watching a soccer match or talking about the Stanley Cup. And these conversations are constantly evolving. Like, could you see this happening? And 
That's how we feel with the NBA. That's how we feel with this uh, playoffs. We've been able to look ahead. We've been able to identify some value. Like, hey, we feel the public's going to be on this. Or we feel that the line will be here. Now, injuries kind of change everything. But another one on the West, just kind of off the top of my head. Denver's playing... uh, It's Portland. The Clippers are playing. Remember, the Clippers tanked uh, the end of the season to be out of the... That's right. To be on opposite sides of the Lakers. So. No, that's right. Portland's playing Denver. Denver, yep. How do you feel? That's a tough one to, to handicap, in my opinion. Yeah, it is, because uh, we talked about before. I, I, I don't – Denver's still been playing really well, even without Jamal Murray, but I think eventually that catches up with them. Is it this series? Another thing we talked about, I don't know about Portland. They're so streaky. Yeah. It, I mean – if I told you right now that Dame Willard's going to average 38 a game in this series, would you be shocked? No. Uh, no, you wouldn't be, but... That's the parody of the NBA. You have some really good teams. You have some teams that can beat anybody on any given night. And then you have teams that are almost pretenders. Yeah. Just real quick, I know I don't mean to interrupt you, though, but that same bet, the double-double in the win for Anthony Davis is plus 550. I kind of like that also. See, but I think you're taking a little more risk there. You are, but you're also getting better odds so. that's it I know it's a short NBA thing uh, we'll have more as, as the series start condensing down and as, yeah. as we're in the middle of the neck of the series we can talk about yeah. things and one thing we'll do at the end of the show is we'll kind of go back over like the maybe three picks each that we're going to make this week and we'll kind of review it next week when we come back on see how we did alright Before I was rudely interrupted by uh, my co-host drinking a beer, Devin, what are you drinking over there? Uh, got a Dos Equis, uh lime and salt. Somebody was smart enough to finally go ahead and put the lime in the beer. Like, it's genius. I'm just drinking a good old-fashioned Miller Lite, man. Mm-hmm. they so good, you, they sell them everywhere. I think it's a fine Pilsner, if I'm not mistaken, according to the can. According to the can. All right, so now we're back. Now, this is the moneymaker in betting. This is when the books bring in the most bets, the most money. Football. Devin, I know we talked this week. They got some NFL win totals. Mm -hmm. That's came out and had some time to digest it and go through everything. Uh, I personally feel Baltimore Ravens under 10, 10 and a half is a good bet. Okay. As we revisited those lines today, they were up to 11. 11, yeah. So they got some money coming in on the Ravens being over. I feel they're still the under. I had them at nine, maybe ten wins. Okay. Yeah, I, I would disagree with that. Only, I mean, we had talked about it before we came in the air. Um, looking at that division, and, yeah, your question was where have they gotten better, and I don't know necessarily if they've improved their positions of need a lot, but I don't think, I don't think they've gotten worse. And I think maybe the, the, the teams in that division, not that they've gotten worse, but I, I still think the Bengals are a few years away. Pittsburgh's on the decline. Exactly. Yeah, people figure them out. Big Ben, I'm actually surprised Big Ben's coming back, but I think that actually helps the Ravens that he is. But Cleveland is the anomaly. They are. Can Baker Mayfield lead a team to win the division? I think that's the biggest question there. Um, no, I'm, I'm sure he can. I mean, I, I personally, I like Baker Mayfield. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a somebody I'd like to play for. But we'll I, see. I just feel... That whole division is still a very, very tough division. Yeah. And somebody's going to have to lose is kind of how I feel. Kind of like when you talk about the NFC East, somebody's going to have to win the football game. I think the teams are going to move back to the pack. 
So maybe Baltimore's one game above 500, but I don't think that. Yeah, no, nah, see, I, I disagree with that. We'll, we'll jot that one down for uh, see where we're at. I mean, that's a, that's a good ways away, but I, I just think I still think Baltimore's a favorite to win that division as they and they should be. Now another one is Atlanta. Uh, seven and a half is the over under, and I'm mm-hmm. taking the under. Taking the under on Atlanta, okay. And the reason why is Atlanta's issue was never offense. Right. Their issue has been defense, and they did nothing major to improve their defense. But if, wasn't that defense playing a lot better though towards the end of the year? I'm not saying that matters this year, but I don't think not to my my standards or my opinion. Now listen, regardless, I still Matt Ryan I, could get yeah. hurt next week. Yeah, I still like your bet, and I don't I don't wish injuries on anybody. Now we know injuries happen. I didn't take into account injuries whenever I was going through this. All I said was, hey. On this day, with fully healthy teams, whether a team was coming off a bye, whether they're playing in a cold weather stadium in December, or South Florida or South Texas stadium in August or in September, how does that affect the team? Could they win this game? Do I think that they're going to win this game? And that's how I came up to that. Uh, now you had the, the Rams. Uh, I mentioned the Rams. I'm not sure if I'm going to lock in on the Rams. Um, I believe their win total was up uh, to 10.5. Also, um, the addition of Matthew Stafford. I think if you go strength of schedule-wise, they have the easiest schedule in the league this upcoming year. Um, I think with a coach like Sean McVay, um, an upgrade in quarterback, you know, we can debate that. So I think it's a clear upgrade with Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. So do you think the Rams could win 11 games? Yes. So, all right. Do you think – they're one game better, equal to or better than the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, I actually got, I, I kind of like the Ravens better. Okay. And that's fair. Yeah. Um, the one knock against the uh, pick in the Rams would be their division. Uh, you still have a Seahawks team. And uh, honestly, we were talking about going under on the Seahawks earlier. Just not something I can pull the trigger on with Russell Wilson as the quarterback. Too, too good of a player to maybe sweating out an under all year. That's fair. But for some reason, the Seahawks – have seemed to regress, at least on the eye test. Yeah. As you're watching, they're not – defense isn't as dynamic as it was under the no. Legion of Boone. No. You don't have Marshall there. You, you're not – I mean, your wide receivers are better. Right. And Russell's matured and pl- is playing better. But it just seemed like as a team, they regressed back towards the pack. But um, I'm not saying I'm, I won't pull the trigger on that nine and a half. Maybe let it marinate for another month or so, and then yeah, yeah. Trigger them. Um, no, one that I really like, and this is going to sound like a homer pick. You know, us based here in South Louisiana, but uh, the Saints over under win total is at nine, and I know you you're really confident on the under there. I, I'm on the flip side of that. Um, looking at that division and looking at the talent around Jameis Winston, I mean, you look at last year, obviously with Drew Brees there, but injured for a few games. They still was it three and one with Taysom Hill. Not mistaken, I think quarterback wise, Jameis Winston is an upgrade over Taysom Hill. Uh, throw, throwing the football, but what Taysom Hill brought to the game was very similar to what Drew Brees' skills is. So they didn't have to adjust the playbook a whole lot. Okay, and that's fair. Uh, I, I just still think with Taysom Hill being there, he's going to be involved. Sean Payton's one of the best offensive coaches in the league. You're looking at a team to me like you just talked about Atlanta. I think Atlanta still they haven't improved their defense. Even though they did, I think they did play a little bit better towards the end of the year. They're a young defense. I still think the Saints are a better team. Same with Carolina. We can debate back and forth on what uh, Sam Darnold is going to bring to that team. I, I don't know Tampa. I mean Tampa's Tampa, but we beat them twice last year. 
So beat him t- twice with Drew. So I mean, it would be yeah. But what was Drew Brees? You know what? I mean, I love physically. I, I love, he was a shell of what he was. Sure. Five years ago, three yeah. years ago, but mentally, Drew Brees was still sharp, and he was able to squeeze out everything out of an Emmanuel Sanders, who yeah. the league was ready to pretty much discard. Right. A Jared Cook. Drew was still smart. Sure. I don't know if Jameis Winston is that smart. <laughs> and not not knocking, but I'm not saying that he's a he's a dumb person. But I don't know when it comes to football. You got to remember, Drew played on some bad teams. Yeah. So there's a lot of experience of how to pull yourself up out of the hole. Yeah. And I don't know if Jameis has that. He played with some bad teams in Tampa. And he, I just think the talent's there. It's clearly there. You don't throw for 5,000 yards just by accident. There's a lot of quarterbacks on bad teams who don't sniff 5,000 yards. I, yeah, I mean, obviously he threw 30 interceptions, but on the flip side, he threw 30 touchdowns also. I'm banking on with this bet at nine wins with 17 games. So I get an extra game to get that 10, that 10th win. Okay. You're looking at a 10-7 and seven record, which I think they can do. I'm looking at an offensive mind like Sean Payton. Capitalizing. Capitalizing on the athleticism that he hasn't had really ever with Drew Brees, but at least in the last five years with a guy who now the playbook's wide open. With Taysom Hill, with Jameis Winston back there, the sky's the limit on what Sean Payton can draw up in the play, in the pull out of the playbook. Plays that he hasn't been able to run for five-plus years. Yeah, I, I'm just really excited about what the Saints are going to do this year. So I, I'm, I'm hammering the over nine wins. And that's fair. Again, that's doing your research, reading yep. the tea leaves, right. and saying, hey, this is what I feel. This one coming in is we're going to kind of – Go into some player props. Well, one more I wanted to mention because we did talk about looking into early value and trying to find value. The Green Bay Packers over under win total sits at 10.5 right now. If Aaron Rodgers is there, I think that's a pretty safe over, would you say? 10.5, it's never a safe over at 11 wins. That's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins. I think the division's gotten it, it, it's, better. It's gotten better, but the Packers were clearly the best team there. And, I, and if he's back, I, I, I think they still are. Okay. The problem is, like we talked about last week, we're talking about the guy who's already told the team he doesn't want to play for them anymore. And that he's pretty much not playing. That he's pretty much not playing. So what I would do, and what I'm going to do, after seeing those win totals today, I'm going to go jump on the under. Because not only if he leaves, you're talking about a Jordan Love-led team who I don't think's winning. Unless they trade Aaron Rodgers for a quarterback. Now, with that being said, Kansas City's not trading Patrick Mahomes for a quarterback. Right. I don't think Houston is trading Deshaun Watson for Aaron Rodgers. Right, no. I don't think so. Maybe. Yeah, who, who can you go out and get? Yeah, I don't think Not so. a quarterback that's winning 11 games, is, I guess, is no, the point no, I'm trying no, to make. Correct. I think you're trying to make the same point. Go hammer that number, in my opinion. Go go hammer the under. Um, a Jordan Love-led Green Bay Packers isn't winning five games, in my opinion. Not saying he can't be good down the road. I really liked what I saw from him in college. But I think he's a, I think he's a few a years middle away. middle of the pack quarterback? I think he can be a, a better than middle of the pack, but not this year. Well, they don't and, have the talent. I mean, yeah, you have Devontae Adams, but they right. don't have – you got to have more than one receiver. A quarterback like Aaron Rodgers makes up for a lot of – covers up a lot of deficiencies on a team. Uh, he, he's, he's that good. And not to mention, even if you play the under, they could go under with Aaron Rodgers there. Again, 11's a lot of wins. You know, he misses four games with a with an elbow injury or something. Again, we're not wishing – like you said earlier, we're not wishing injuries on anybody on any bet we make. But he's 38. Yeah, 38-year-old quarterback. You saw what just happened with Drew Brees. How many did he miss last year? Five yeah. games, four games? So, yep. guys, uh, I agree that is a, a pretty good value pick. If you can find a book that has that future. Yeah. And if we opened your eyes to something, 
where you're looking and you're thinking, you know what, yeah, Atlanta didn't improve, or hey, Green Bay is a risk. I'm a golf. I feel I can capitalize on that. Yeah, unfortunately, more likely than not, you're not going to find that in a lot of places right now because of the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers. Like, these books are smart. They, they know. I was able to find it today on DraftKings, but I'm, that was just a website showing the over-unders. It wasn't allowing me to bet on there, so I'm not sure if you can actually find something, find something that's open. So now, Devin, this is something I kind of want to talk about. is NFL Offensive Rookie of the mm-hmm. Year. We just had the draft. We've been talking about this for months now. Speculating things. So. Yep. I got two picks, but the first one's Kyle Pitts. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to go wide. They may trade Julio. If they trade Julio, I think the offense is going to be more focused on on a tight end. I mean, you got, was it Hayden Hurst? Is that name? Yeah. People were expecting a lot from Hayden Hurst last year. He didn't quite come through with, he had a couple of big games, but you're talking about a freak of nature in Kyle Pitts. Yeah. So. Also, they're in a division. That is plan- you're going to aerate the ball. Gonna have to. I mean, you got Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers on every team, almost Hall of Fame caliber wide receivers. I mean, Julio is Hall of Fame. Yes, Michael Thomas is trending that way. Had a bad year last year, but you know he's trending that way. Mike Evans, if he stays on his trajectory, he's going to be. Yeah, he's had a thousand yards receiving each of his first four years, I believe. So So the values in airing the ball out. I think Kyle Pitts can get the yardage. I think he get the touchdowns for sure. Um, I mean, if he gets if he gets twelve hundred yards and he gets eight touchdowns, Julio was never known as a red zone receiver, which I find strange. We, I mean, we've been questioning that for years about Atlanta. Why don't you throw to the a guy that stature in the end zone? But I think Calvin Ridley, if I'm not mistaken, led them in yeah. red zone targets. Which I, I love Calvin Ridley, don't know, phenomenal player. But you got somebody like Kyle Pitts is going to be a mismatch for just about any and listen, anybody in the league. Atlanta so. picked fourth this year. Yeah, they did. Their offense, like I said, is not their problem. Their their defense was their problem. So again, Matt Ryan is going to be in shootouts. Yep. So the volume, I think, will be there. So Kyle Pitts is at plus eleven hundred. To me, that's that's value. Now, Devin doesn't agree with me because he has somebody else at plus eleven hundred. I do, and uh, yeah, again, not trying to sound like uh, this is a Homer podcast, but and you can ask Jared. I've been saying this for. I've been saying this ever since the guy had the season he did two years ago at LSU, and that's Jamar Chase, wide receiver, um, going to the Cincinnati Bengals um, with his former college quarterback, Joe Burrow. I think that connection's there. I think that trust is going to be there. Uh, and I think you're looking at one of the more talented receivers to come out of coming to the league in the last 10 years. I really do believe that about this guy. I think he's that good. Then again, we know that Cincinnati's offensive line is an issue. They, they are an issue. If Joe Burrow gets hurt, that trust with Jamar Chase – Oh, sure. Like, oh, look, and I guess here, here's my point here, and this is the point I was just about to make, and I think we were going to get in this later. What we're doing here is we're trying to identify value before the season starts and before Jamar Chase in week one has 110 yards and two touchdowns to where his offensive rookie of the year odds are now plus 500. That's right. That's what we're trying to do here. We're not saying that, the, again, we're not saying these are locks. I'm guaranteeing Jamar Chase is winning. I'm just looking at a very talented player with his former college quarterback at plus 1,100 odds, I don't know if they're going to get any better than that. No, I mean, it's a sexy pick. Don't, yeah. don't get me wrong. Now, this is one, man, I've been I've been on this one all week as I've been looking into it because I can actually see this happening. Yeah, and this is not uh, – Jared's not an LSU fan, by the way, so this is definitely not a homer pick. This probably pains him. but Yeah, Terrence Marshall, <laughs> 50 to 1 odds. Yeah, and here's, here's the reason. Pro Bowl caliber wide receivers all throughout the league. All throughout the division. You have a quarterback that has done 
somewhat more, went less, and his few short years in New York, and he moved to Carolina. Terrence Marshall was reuniting with uh, Joe Brady. Joe Brady, right. Matt Rule's offenses were pretty fun to watch. Yeah. He's going to be the number two wide receiver, but in a division where Josh Donald's going to have to throw 35. Sam Donald. Yeah. Sam Donald, sorry. Sam Donald's going to have to throw 30, 45 times a game, in, yeah. just in the division. Well, another thing, you're looking at a team in Carolina who is on their knees begging for a red zone threat. Not even uh, that, though. I mean, and that's that's just the, the appetizer. That's the, that's the obvious reason, right? All right. Yeah, go let me go to this. Carolina, defensive stats, 25th in missed tackles last year. They were 18th in touchdowns allowed last year. They gave up 28 touchdowns, Grant, just through the air. Yeah. Now, that's... Not a lot, but still, when you're giving up those touchdowns, you're putting your offense behind the eight ball. So, Donald's going to have to sling the ball. And I think Terrence Marshall can be a 1,200, get him 80 receptions, 1,200 yards, and 10 touchdowns. And I think I – I mean, that's a, that's a big number. I mean, you're talking about some – you're talking about a, a first-round fantasy wide receiver at those numbers, but – it's not out of the question. So I mean, you're getting him. Would you say fifty to one? Fifty to one. Yeah, that that's a that's a very. I mean, if he gets that, back. and it is set up that if he can get that, even if he doesn't get rookie of the year, if it's one of the quarterbacks, you can still sit back and say, you know what, the we've identified value. Yes. We found a system that works. Yeah. And listen, why I didn't go with a quarterback? Okay, the only two that I feel are day one starters this year, not based on talent, yeah. but. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and what's he coming in? Plus three hundred. Yeah. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. But I, I don't like how Jacksonville's set up yet. Yeah. Bringing in a new system. They're going to throw a lot, but I don't know if the touchdowns are there for him. And then Zach Wilson yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. New York still has their issues. I don't think Trey Lance starts. No. Over at uh, San Fran, I think it, Jimmy's going to get the play. Yeah. Don't think Mac Jones starts. No. He could. But. He could. But we'll see what their plans are with Cam. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I don't think Justin Fields comes in to maybe week six, week eight, somewhere like that. And by that time, the race is too far ahead of him yeah. to catch up. So that's how I feel. Usually this this goes to a quarterback. Usually, yeah. But I don't think either team that's starting the day one rookie quarterback is going to be it. If I had to pick one, it would be Trevor Lawrence. Um, but, again, not enough uh, – not not good enough value for me to put money on it plus three hundred. A um, couple more identified. Uh, again, just looking at some long shots here. Uh, we mentioned the Ravens earlier. Rashard Bateman, a wide receiver out of Minnesota. Uh, another guy like Jamar Chase who didn't play last year, but somebody I think that can be another weapon for Lamar Jackson and getting those touchdowns. You know, honestly, if it wasn't for uh, Mark, Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, you know, uh, he needs some help down there, getting some touchdowns. So I think Rashard Bateman could be that guy. You get him at plus thirty three hundred. This is what I like about Rashard Bateman. Baltimore is a team ESPN centers on because they have this superstar quarterback. Yeah, they have a winning pedigree. They have the brand. So if he comes in and he makes a very good impact early on, they're constantly going to be talking about it, and he's constantly going to be getting those opportunities. So. If he comes in in the first game and catches 12 balls, it doesn't matter what the stat line says. Right. ESPN's going to be talking their head off. I, I think that could that could definitely play out for him. you have any other offensive? Uh, offensive? No, that, that was the only two. All right. Go ahead and lead us off with your defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Uh, 
defense is tough. Um, what I what I really looked at here was um, a player I'm pretty familiar with. You know, local guy who played at the University of Alabama, but uh, Pat Sertain, cornerback in Denver. I like the odds at plus fourteen hundred. You're going into a defense that has a pedigree of being a strong uh, secondary. You know, some aging guys there, but guys I think he can learn under, and I think he's got the natural talent already. A team I think that can compete in that division. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, you know, especially if they end up trading for an Aaron Rodgers. Again, that 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 that's a long shot, but but it has implications. Has implications. I, I still look at like okay, if Aaron Rodgers goes there and they compete with Kansas City for that division and their defense is that really is. solid, I think he's somebody that can get some rub. So my the first guy I like Jamin Davis of the Washington Football Team. He's a linebacker, mm-hmm. and the reason why I like it is. Washington's defense was awesome last year. And you're putting this guy in at linebacker, which is the highlight of the defense. But the, their division is bad. And I'm a Giants fan. I'm going to tell you, the, the division is bad. Yeah. Dak had to throw so much last year just to stay competitive for the few games that he got to play. Daniel Jones turns the ball over. He's gotten better, but he's turned the ball over. It's really a running back league. Philadelphia, we, we really don't know how their quarterback situation is going to be. But you're going up against Zeke, you're going up against Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. If this kid comes in, balls out, makes some impact tackles, keeps his nose to the grindstone, he's set up in a good system to be in that conversation in December and early yeah. January. Yeah, and what number are you looking at with him? Plus 800, okay. so 8 to 1. Yeah. Now my second pick, I'm going to kind of go back to the well here, J.C. Horn, yeah. Carolina, because this kid's going up against Pro Bowl caliber talent and wide receivers. It's kind of risky, but it could pay off big time. He's 14 to 1. He go, he's going to be going up against the Michael Thomas, the Julios, the Mike Evans, those kind of guys, day in and day out. Eventually, it may not be this year, I'm banking that it's going to be this year, but eventually, if this kid's any good, he's going to be able to start covering it. Right. Because he's going to be doing it every day. Yeah. So, if Carolina's defense improves... You're going to start hearing people talk about that because they're going to be winning more games. Yeah, their offense wasn't that bad. Their defense improved. Maybe, maybe they won an extra game or two, and you're going to start hearing more about them. And these rookie of the years, as much as they're stat based, it's also about who's the last one being talked about. Yeah, for sure. Um, both good bets. Um, now, just to point out, this is something that we'll revisit uh, come August. Um, you know, after many camps, once training camp gets started, we'll have a better idea of then of we may have different values. We may have different values. If it's if you know if it comes out that Justin Fields the guy, like he he's the day one, week one starter, then then you know opinions change. So yeah. uh, so now let's go into the NCAA conference winners. Okay. Oh, uh, I have two picks. Did you see any that you actually absolutely? Oh uh, no, I did not. But I do disagree with yours, so we can go into <laughs> that. That's even better. So, for the ACC conference yeah. champ, I got Miami at plus 700. Yeah. And my my thing is, as good as Clemson is, mm-hmm. they just lost their running back, and they just lost their generational quarterback. They lost their backup quarterback, too, by the way. Yeah. 20 kilos. So, where somebody's going to have to step up, I'm not sure if they're ready for that kind of adversity. Yeah. So, the next two teams are you. UNC and Miami, and I felt that Phil Longo's offense is not. I don't. I don't like it. He was at Ole Miss. Yeah. I just didn't like the way his offenses look 
when they play. I was going to ask, do you like Miami just because of the better odds, or is it really just a... I think Miami can still get talent. Okay. I think it's still a destinational place. Yeah. They're competing just with Florida for recruits. I, I think Florida State is on a tailspin. I feel that Miami's trending in the right direction. And they could be. Uh, my disagreeance would be if it's not Clemson, although I still think it's Clemson, um, with the talent that they have on that team, you know, a team that's almost reminds you, you know, Alabama of the ACC is like no matter what year it is, they're going to be there. But if not them, I still like um, – I think UNC is the team this year. I think they're they're pretty talented. So. That's fair, huh? I have USC at plus 400 for the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm not I'm – I haven't looked into it, so I'll be honest. I haven't looked into the Pac-12. Oregon, so. Oregon was 250. Mm-hmm. And this is why I picked USC. There was – I bet on them a lot this past year because they were kind of under the radar. Mm-hmm. I was able to catch some games. USC – had three quarterbacks go down in one game that I was watching. I don't remember who they were playing. Three quarterbacks go down and out for the game, and they still bring out this guy, and they win the game, and he balls out. USC still gets quality talent. Yeah. I think it's a an Oregon or a USC, or you don't touch it for that division. Okay. And come start of the season, I don't think you find better value on USC. That's a good point. And kind of going back to what we were talking about for the uh, – Offensive Rookie of the Year for the NFL. If you have a feeling, now's the time to get in on it. You don't want to wait till, you know, until, uh, well, until fall practice starts and the, the papers come out that, you know what, USC is the best team in the Pac-12, and then those odds drop to, you know, minus 150 or plus one, 175 or something like that. Like, this is the time to get in on it, so that's, that's a pretty good point. I'll look more into the NCAA uh, this upcoming week, and I'll, I'll have some picks for you. Also, let's look maybe – MVP for uh, early MVP. I don't want to do a Heisman because it's such yeah. a big pool. Yeah. But early yeah, we can MVP. look at early MVP. Sure. But yeah, uh, so uh, any any picks that you're going to highlight for this upcoming week that we can check back in on next week to kind of see how we do? So Atlanta is minus 120 to the Knicks for mm-hmm. the series. I'm going to go ahead and lay, lay the, the chalk with that. So okay. I like that one. But I really like Miami plus 240 with Milwaukee. And then Tyrell Hatton for... Okay. Yeah, um, so we'll check back in on mine uh, with a more Kyle Marikawa, 31-1, to $100 bet to win $3,100, hoping that cashes. Uh, Victor Hovland, 22-1, to $2,200 on a $100 bet there also. So fingers crossed about that. Already hit on the, uh, like we talked about earlier, Jordan Spieth um, beating Justin Thomas in round one. So i got a little cash to play with now. One that I'm really excited about, though, I think, we, uh, I think you touched on it briefly earlier, was the Charlie Hoffman top ten. Plus 750. You know, I got a little skin in the game on that one, too. So he's currently sitting after round two, tied for 12th. So excited about him going in the weekend. So <laughs> that's yeah. one of those I'll keep an eye on. And also uh, the LeBron double double uh, and a win in game one versus Phoenix, plus 225. I will most likely be. And I'm pretty sure that, so. if we asked him what his picks are, to be some obscure hockey prop bet or something. Yeah, or that, you know, he gets to. Uh, He'll have something like this. The guy in row 3E of the Lakers game eat a chili dog by the third quarter or something. He'll find some obscure bet like that. I tell you what, and our fun bet for the week, here we go. Will Tim be able to join us next week on the uh, on the podcast? Um, I'm going to give you a no at minus 1,000 and a yes at plus 450. Which one are you going to go with? You know what? I'll take the yes on that. That'll be one unit on the yes. That's too much value in there. So the plus 450 – on the yes that Tim will be with us next time. 
I've been friends with him a lot longer than you, and I guarantee it's the no. So I'll cash in on that. But man, this has been fun. Appreciate you having me, and uh, enjoyed it. All right, and again, ladies and gentlemen, just please bet responsibly. Don't gamble any more than you're willing to lose. We bet smart. We we don't risk. We don't go and say, okay, I'm putting ten units or I'm putting twenty units on this bet. Flat bet, one unit. Bet smart. If you have a problem, seek help. You guys, that's it for episode two at Ad Odds, and we thank you for your support. Appreciate it.